The Diary of a Harlequin is proudly brought to you by Charles Stanley Wealth Managers, official player welfare partner of Harlequins. If you're looking to start your investment journey, then Charles Stanley has lots of tips and ideas on how to secure your financial future. Welcome to the Diary of a Harlequin. I'm your host, Joe Yates Round, and today we'll be talking to Santiago Garcia Botta. Santi joined Quinns in 2019 and has played over 50 times in the quarters, including in the semi and the final in 2021 on our way to the Premiership title. He has had stints in France and in his native Argentina, making his Super Rugby final with the Jaguares before joining us. A powerful prop with a huge engine, he's made 34 appearances for Argentina. Now firmly settled in England and juggling life as a professional rugby player with that of a father of two young children, the fact that he's even managed to make time for us is in itself a miracle. Uh, welcome to Diary of a Harlequin, Santi. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. Uh, look, it's great to great to have you here. I guess um, I kind of want to start uh, with any kind of foreign player playing in English rugby with almost going back to, to your roots in, in Argentina, Buenos Aires. How was your path into rugby? Was that something that you were kind of always felt like you were kind of destined to, to play rugby or was there football I imagine in Argentina other sports was it always sport for you yeah yeah I, I mean I think it's important here to to note that in Argentina rugby is fully amateur so then it's like yeah I was we we are I was into the sport like from a very very young age but obviously fully amateur so then it's like you you keep going and probably the game starts getting more kind of serious but it's still amateur so then it's like I, I I was thinking of me becoming like a, probably a lawyer or something else. And then, yeah, keeping playing rugby. But then I was preparing for my life as well because... Yeah. But then, well, things start going to... Started going to in, in another way and, and rugby started to, to become, yeah, not professional, but I started playing for probably youth youth teams in Argentina. And then, yeah, an opportunity came in France to, to play. And then, well, I started playing for for Argentina and then super rugby and then I was fully professional athlete and then yeah I'm here being a rugby player. Wow that's crazy so I guess for you then playing rugby as a as a kid the idea of being a pro rugby player wasn't really kind of the end goal it was like you did it because you loved playing rugby but you kind of were thinking about about other things. Yeah yeah definitely I think I think that's obviously in in these days if you want like say if a country wants to compete in professional rugby you need to develop a like a like a solid and kind of professional structure which is what's been done in Argentina but I think the good thing of keeping this like the amateur and the and the club thing as a like as a really really amateur um yeah place where you really love playing the sport is I think it's it's great for as you said it's like you you do it because you love it and 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 I think that's still very very big there and that must help then because you've got that that love that passion then when you're when times get get tough in rugby, you maybe aren't sure what next. At least you've got that thing that you love to do is is what you're doing Monday through through Friday. But let's go back. And so you said maybe a lawyer. That's kind of almost a a throwaway hint at a, another career. Was that was law? Was that something that you kind of did genuinely consider as okay? This is probably where I'm going to end up going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like since I left school, like yeah, that that's what that's what I liked. My brother is a lawyer, so probably watching him was yeah something that yeah made me go towards that way. But yeah, and then I started studying. I did like yeah half 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 a degree there, but it really like almost four years of university studying law, which studying law, which is like yeah quite a lot. And yeah, that's what I like. You know what was I thought it was going to be yeah but then yeah thankfully i ended up doing something much more yeah enjoyable <laughs> probably <laughs> well apologies to any lawyers listening um but uh, you say you say thankfully i imagine there's plenty of other defense barristers that are thankful they're not squaring up to to you in the uh, in the courtroom uh santi i imagine a formidable opponent so talk me through how that how that moved then to to france came obviously you're playing rugby in argentina fully amateur you're kind of thinking about law like does it, is it a phone call? Is it someone gets in touch and goes, look, there might be an opportunity here? How did that opportunity evolve for you? Yeah, I I, I was playing, I, I played like in the under-20s World Cup and then kept on playing like in developing like um, a national team. So mm-hmm. I was like around 
And then at that time in Paris, there was an Argentinian coach that, yeah, uh, yeah, he asked for, yeah, fellow coaches in Argentina. He was looking for a play. And then, yeah, he phoned me. I remember I was with my with my friend, like, coming out from uni, like, in a, I don't know, Thursday afternoon. It's like, I see this message, this message from, 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 from this coach, which is also like a former player, like very, very famous player. And then it's like, wow, what's going on here? And it's like, yeah, it was on a Thursday. And then on the next Thursday, I was flying to, to France with the, yeah. So then it was like, yeah, wow. very quickly, but it was a very, a very nice experience. Amazing experience. Now, how old were you then at that point when that happened? I was 22. 22. Thursday at university, getting a text message, getting a call, and then you're on a on a plane. So then was it just was it just you that went over to France? Was that kind of a solo experience that you did when you when Yeah, you yeah, it was like it was a medical joker. So they had like yeah, a lot of injuries. So then they that's when they can hire like yeah, hire players to cover. So then it was like a three month three, three month contract and then yeah, my girlfriend my wife now, but yeah. at that point was my girlfriend. She was yeah, at uni as well. So like and it was so quick like. Yeah. So yeah, I went on my own and then then yeah, it was like by the end of the year. So then she joined in in the Argentinian summer, but in the winter. So then yeah, we traveled around and then we went back. So yeah, it was a very very and my first fully professional experience. Yeah, that must have been exciting, daunting. But did that kind of give you the taste then? That first professional experience, going into an environment that you're with other professional athletes. You're not kind of in that that amateur space that you felt actually this is something that I want for for me for my career. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I like I've always as we were talking before, I always loved the amateur spirit or love mm-hmm. for the game, but I was always very kind of not 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 much now, but back then quite obsessed with the detail of things. And then sometimes in an amateur organization you you can't expect everything to work that way. And then probably seeing how it worked in a professional environment where like everything was like every detail was like made for the players to be the best players they could be. And it was like, oh yeah, I really like this. So then yeah, probably that experience made me, yeah, I want to try to go this way. So that that obsession for for detail, I imagine partly is what led you to to, to law and being able to get into the, the detail points um, there, but then equally transferring that to sport. Did you find it then frustrating at times back in Argentina in the amateur kind of setup, for all of the enjoyment that there was there, that you maybe wanted to push yourself and be more more demanding of yourself and others, but you didn't have the resource to do that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But like looking back now with a bit more experience, it's like, as I said, thankfully, I, I don't think I'm that obsessed anymore because mm-hmm. like, when you're always like seeking for the perfect detail, the perfect doesn't exist, even in the best organizations. So then if you are seeking for the perfect and super detailed thing, it's like you will always be complaining or annoying or annoyed because like things should be this way instead of like, hey, look, like things are quite well as they are. Yes, we probably can improve or we have the resources to do this, this and that and we can be better, but you can't just be focusing on what needs to be done instead of, yeah, look at what you have, you know? So that that's how I feel now. But back then I was like, yeah, complaining all the time probably. <laughs> but I guess that's one, that's why you are kind of sat in the chair that you're sat in as the, as the professional rugby player with this this great career so far. But equally the, having that that hindsight to look back and go, maybe this obsession that, that probably not alone in sport, right, with perfection is actually more harmful at times than than good and sometimes being able to take that that step back and go yes we all want to be perfect but sometimes that's not possible so actually how are we making the the improvements is that something that you kind of learn then on this professional sport journey that when everything's set up sometimes it can everything can be on paper perfect but you still don't get the result so it's how you kind of divorce one from the other yeah yeah and also i think like obviously talking from my personal experience you idealize sometimes certain things like and then it's like yeah say looking to maybe your other clubs or other organizations or other like rugby national teams it's like and then it's like perfect as i said perfect doesn't exist even in places where like yeah there's a lot more of resources or stuff or whatever and it's like and then you realize those those things it's like oh wow how wrong i was like being all the time (laughs) complaining or demanding for more 
So then that that period in France, that was a three month sort of, as you say, like injury joker wildcard sort of signing. So what then happened at, for you at the end of that three month period? Your your girlfriend now now wife came over. You kind of explored a bit. Did you then start thinking, okay, how do I get how do I get the next professional contract? Like what happened for you then after that? Yeah, so I then w- went back to Argentina straight into that was pre-season because it was like yeah mid-January February so it was pre-season at that time and that was 2015 and we still did Argentina still didn't have a um, super rugby team but mm-hmm. it was already done for 2016 so it was next year yeah. but yeah some play the, the boys that were playing for Argentina at the moment they were all getting that contract it wasn't my case so then I had to yeah okay let's try to fight for to get a contract for next year and then thankfully yeah I I I, I was lucky enough to to get some chances to play and then yeah get offered a contract for 2016 so then yeah that 2015 was yeah woke up year so I was kind of around the team and I was like I ended up being called called up for the last game because of an injury as well so then it's like and it was also my last year playing for my for my home club which I which I love so yeah it was a bit of that that was my uh, kind of transition year from transitioning from amateur to professional wow and kind of doing that in a world cup year as well when you know that I guess for you you were like actually I need to be playing I need to be in this squad if I'm going to get that contract next year there's a lot of pressure that comes onto it but I guess one thing that we see so often in in sport is that someone gets their chance because of an injury to to someone else which must be strange because I imagine you're close to all the boys like you kind of all you know each other but equally when you're kind of pushing through breaking through do you ever kind of look and go oh, I want that shirt okay I need to wait for something to happen here or are you kind of focusing on what's what are his strengths how can I be better than him so that the coach has no option but to pick me yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's it's like you said, and then I think uh, that's that's when the luck factor comes in because mm. obviously, yeah, we we train, we work hard for everything, but there's still a, a factor that we you can't control, and then it's like, yeah, obviously, some some athletes or some players are are good or talented enough to not be in doubt, but like for the rest of us, which I I think I'll be there. It's like, yeah, you still you still depend on on some luck, which is unfortunately bad luck for others if there's say an injury but then that opens up a, a gap for someone that's fighting for a place and then it's like uh yeah you first need to get that opportunity to play and then it's like i i looking back i feel like and and yes don't don't take me wrong because probably some some when i was feeling lucky some players were feeling unlucky mm-hmm. but then it's like yeah it's part of life and that happens so and then yeah i think luck played uh and a big factor as well in, in, in my in my in that part of my career. I but guess. I guess like without sounding too awfully cliched, like luck maybe unlocks the door, but you've still got to go and open it, right? So you've still got to take that opportunity. And if you got lucky and played, but I don't know, didn't deliver, weren't a good member of the team, the squad, then that that contract wouldn't have come. Were you aware of that pressure that came with that opportunity, or did you sort of? relish that as someone that's played rugby for enjoyment i guess their whole life up to that point um yeah i think i i wasn't feeling the pressure that much thankfully i i, I don't know why because yeah yeah i probably feel it a bit more now but back then i was like i was yeah as you said like it was also a learning it's like you need to be ready yeah. because you never know when you'll get a chance and 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 sometimes in the sport it's like Maybe when you are a bit like relegated because it's like yeah it's not it's not room for everyone like coaches have to select some players and and some others will will not be picked and it's like mm. it's easier then to like not I won't say give up but maybe like yeah feel super frustrated but then it's if on the other hand you are like keep on working hard and being ready then if if you have uh, the chance to get an opportunity that's when you can you can use it and and yeah as you said it's like you're better prepared for it and so what was that experience like in 2015 world cup over here in in england kind of getting that that call up towards the end i guess of the of, yeah. of, of the tournament were you kind of already in the uk kind of waiting for that or did you have to fly over like how does that how does that work kind of oh no sense? yeah it's actually very funny because i was like it's yeah, it's a bit of a long story, but I was um, 
yeah, I think the the tournament there, like with with my club was over, we lost in the semis, but I got a double yellow card on that semi because. Yeah, I was yeah a bit frustrated. I got a yellow card and started chatting to the ref. Obviously, it's not right, the right thing to do. And he gave me a second yellow. So then it was like technically suspended at least for a week. And then and then I realized that I was like in reserve for the World Cup. So then they said like, look, man, it's like if something happens, you were the one coming. So then I had to go into the ref's changing room and 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 say sorry to him. <laughs> wow. Uh, because yeah. I, I was actually sorry, yeah. but it, 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 I, I, it wasn't something I was probably going to do. But uh, yeah, so I go and say like, yeah, sorry, I was very frustrated, angry. I'm sorry for that. And it's like, yeah, don't worry. I, I was, I will just pass only one yellow card. So, and then I was, yeah, he did that. And then yeah, a week, almost a week later, I was going yeah into training again. It was, a th- but it was a Thursday morning, and I was waiting for. I left my house. I was doing with my parents, and obviously left the ha- left the house. I said bye to my dad who was at home, and I was yeah doing carpool with someone else. I was going to train. I was waiting for him, and then the manager calls me, and he's like, "Hey, look, uh, where are you?" And it's like, "I'm going to training. Go back. You need to be in the airport at say 11. And it was like it was nine in the morning. And it's like, wow. "Why? No, oh, uh, yeah." you need to yeah you need to come some yeah yeah it was i think marcos Ajerza was like picked an injury and you need to come it's like i was phoning the guy that was waiting for it's like hey look i'm sorry i'm going to i said like, oh yeah go 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 and then i go back home and i come home and my dad is like what are you doing here i'm, I'm going to england and it's like why why and then it's like yeah all of a sudden i was in the airport like yeah on a thursday and then the game was on a friday evening so i landed in heathrow early morning on friday and the game was on friday evening and I was on the bench and, and yeah, the coaches gave me the chance to at least step in for a couple of minutes, which was like, yeah, a dream came true for me. Wow. So hang on. Yeah. So Thursday morning, you're heading off to, to normal training, waiting for, waiting for carpool, waiting to be picked up. And by the Friday night, you're playing in a Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Um, that is, Thursday's a good days for you, Santi. Yeah. That's, um, that's well, one today's a Thursday, so. Today, we're recording on a Thursday, so keep that phone <laughs> on the table. You never know who's going to ring. Um, <laughs> Wow, so then so you get those minutes in the World Cup. You say dream come true. And to think if a referee, had, uh, if you'd really been rude to the referee, then you wouldn't have got that chance. Yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lesson as well, apologise. Um, yeah, if always. You're in the, if you're in the wrong. Um, but wow, so that must have been a real world. I'm guessing then, did you have any family with you? Again, was that you were over in the UK, kind of last minute, just you there, sort of like, I can't believe I'm playing in the World Cup. No, no, nothing. And like, I remember I was at the counter, like, and the, the I was like, yeah, with my bag. And, and the woman's like, yeah, you're flying business class. And it's like, oh, oh yeah, nice. But you don't have a return flight. And it's like, oh, yeah, I, I don't really know. And it's like, and that was because, yeah, I was coming back with the team. It was like a charter flight. So then it's like, yeah. And I, I had to tell him. I was very shy of that. I was <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to the World Cup. And I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I won't say anything. And yeah, yeah it was funny. It's so funny. So, the, the, yeah, the airport, they're like, you haven't got a return flight, but how long are you planning on staying in England for? You're like, oh, I don't really know the details. Yeah, I, I didn't know anything, man. Yeah, at least there was something waiting for me when I arrived because, you know, in the border, it was probably an awkward moment. So, like, what are you doing here? Um, I'm coming to play tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'm playing in the game tonight. So, uh, wow. So, what happens then? So, what's, what does a Saturday look like then? Are you then with, with the team? How long were they over in the UK for before they then, before you then went back to, to Argentina? Well, I think it was like, yeah, a month and a half because that was the, the bronze final. So, yep. yeah, it was, yeah, by the end of October. So, yeah, they, they, and I think before that they were in Portugal, like doing mm. a kind of, yeah, pre World Cup preparation. And then, yeah, but I just joined for the last three days. <laughs> Brilliant. Just, just got the, just got the fun bit at the end. Yeah. Um, wow. So then kind of coming out of that, is that then what led to, your contract to play super rugby kind of off the back of making that that world cup kind of squad right at the death almost yeah yeah probably yeah that that meant i was around i think i played just four minutes so probably those four minutes didn't get me a contract but like <laughs> yeah i was i was around and then yeah as i said in 2015 um it was a tournament played in uh, it was called pacific rugby challenge or something played in yeah, in Fiji, I think. Yep. And 
And then we also played, uh, before that we went, I think, to Australia and to New Zealand. So we played, uh, not the Auckland Blues, but uh, yeah, developing team from them. So then, yeah, I got some 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 game time in there and so on. I was like a bit more with the team. And I think, yeah, after that was when the offer came. So I was like, yeah, very, very, very excited and happy that came to me. And to be there right at the start, I guess, of the professionalization, if that's a word, of the of the game in Argentina must have been really exciting for not just you, but equally that group of guys that was on that that journey together to suddenly be like, wow, okay, this is something that wasn't achievable maybe even three, four years ago and we're and we're here, we're doing it. What was that experience like being able to have that first contract and and play play in Argentina? Yeah, I think it was one of the, of the best experiences in my life because, again, it's like something you realize when, when it's over. Um, because, as you said, like uh, a lot of people fought and worked a lot for that to happen. Unfortunately, after COVID, things like were scrapped a bit and then it's like going backwards again. But mm. yeah, it were like, yeah, I was there for four years and it was like, yeah, playing super rugby. It's like what you used to watch when you were a kid and it's like now you're playing that. I was, yeah, still living in my home, training where I used to train and, yeah, driving to the stadium uh, with my family in the in the stands every game. And then also the the tours because, well, the, the good and bad thing is, like, we were traveling a lot, but at that time I was younger, wasn't married, didn't have kids. So, and, and we were playing together with a group of people that we most of us we known each other for long because we were like similar ages so we used to play together in like youth level so it was like and we were the whole year together because we were like playing the first months of the year playing super rugby together and then playing for argentina in the last part of the year so we were like all the time together and it's well like it was like a very very tight and strong and nice group so yeah it was really really nice it must have been so special to play your kind of club domestic rugby together and then not have that thing where, oh, it's internationals now, so some players are going, some players are staying. You're then going as a group again, kind of taking that that camaraderie with you. That must have been, I don't know, just really inspiring to be around those guys getting to do that for that, that four-year four period. I mean, if you didn't love rugby before, there's no wonder you, you love it so much now, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it was like... Yeah, because it, it it could be like very good or very bad. Because if the if the group is not strong enough, it's it's also tough to be like mm. together for like all the time on tour. It's like seeing the same faces. And but for us, it was like such a nice group that we were like actually, yeah, friends enjoying that. It was like yeah, it was very nice. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I don't don't blame you, as you say, but that is the risk that if there were one or two bad apples, say that that could be yeah. a, an awful environment. But I guess that's part of the end of the the way the coaches cultivate, the way you guys all kind of police that, the, yeah. that you kind of kept that culture right. Yeah, and I, and I think for us, it was it was the, the tricky thing was like, again, it's like kind of doing a transition to and, and not to lose the amateur thing in mm. us. So then it was like a, like a big effort to try to create like this new identity of, of, of a new team because for us it was it was it was very new to play for a, like a club jersey which is like something new which was actually uh, like a franchise yeah. so then it was like a big thing try to create identity with that but like the i think the big effort was like this new identity comes from this so it's like all of what we feel for our like what every player felt about their clubs and yeah. and all that culture okay we we need to keep that we are like professional team and we want to compete and we want to win and all these things in the in the high performance sport but we still want to keep this and this is what will make us different probably and 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 yeah i think that was like a very very important part of it wow so then it sounds like you're having a, a brilliant time right for that for that four-year period i mean it's making some great memories with your friends with your know, family everyone close so how did the move to quinn's come about was it another thursday you were finishing training the phone rings like what what how did that was that an ambition for you to have obviously having that experience in Argentina? did you want to come to england or did again was it uh was it luck was it yeah what what, what happened yeah when 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 i was younger again like still didn't didn't know i was going to become a professional rugby player but i always liked the premiership and then um as a kind of family thing we we wanted to 
try and, and live abroad. So then, mm. after four years uh, enjoying and and having all that, we we thought it was as a family. Um, we thought it was the right time to do it to make the move. Yeah. And yeah, we were lucky enough to do it before COVID struck, yeah. and and then yeah, all the players were like looking for somewhere to go. Literally, because the in the middle of the tournament, it got like cancelled, and then it's like. Yeah, and then like yeah, all of the players were trying to get somewhere to go, and and we moved like a couple of months before that, so we were like very lucky, and and then yeah, we ended up in a fantastic club, so uh, yeah, and it's it's yeah, enjoying what it comes to yeah, it's a some sometimes challenging experience of of living abroad and far away from family, friends, and and, and the place where we were. Where we grow up, as a, mm. where we grew up, as a, me and my wife, we're both for the, from the same place. So, but yeah, still enjoying it very much. Good, and as you say, so you because you joined Harlequins the, the start of the 2019-2020 season, which then of course was COVID disrupted. But I guess I hadn't fully appreciated that in that same period when COVID hit, that's when for all of your your friends that you kind of were leaving back in in Argentina, the Jaguars, that that kind of just the, the plug almost got got pulled was that hard to be over here and kind of seeing that happen from from abroad yeah yeah it was very sad because you you were seeing like like trying to 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 think uh or to be empathetic of how these guys were probably feeling because like most of them or almost all of them were like yeah consolidated internationals yeah. So it wasn't that hard probably to find a club, mm. but it was still hard because like clubs were in crisis, not not a lot of money, not a lot of, of spaces for mm. foreigners to come. So yeah, it was still a lot. Of, so then obviously it wasn't nice when you also, as I said, like you see a lot of friends through that situation, mm. but also it was like a thing of like being grateful of how lucky we were that because it was in. It, because of a matter of times, we were not in that situation. So it was, yeah. we we're also very grateful to be like here trying to help them. Well, not help, but like, I don't know. The support, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, kind of offer that support. Uh, yeah, we were very lucky, I think. Wow. Yeah. Um, and then you talk about kind of that moving away from family, from where both your wife and, and you kind of grew up. I guess I can't have a, an Argentinian here and not talk about um, the football World Cup um, win. So I guess what was. What was that like as an Argentinian not being in Argentina when 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 that happened? Not to open old wounds or make or make you jealous, but I seem to remember on the day of the Football World Cup final, Argentina France, Harlequins had a home game here at the Stoop. Right, we were playing in the in the Champions Cup. So, did you even get to watch it? Yeah, like when I saw the, that the game was on a Sunday, because like you see, like the World Cup, the Champions Cup was like the weekend off. I was mm. like, okay, yeah, we may play on a Friday, maybe on a Saturday. Well, I, I didn't even know if Argentina was making it to the final, but like, yeah, the final it was, I think it was almost at, yeah, probably the final was at three and the uh, Queen's game was at five yes. on a Sunday. When I saw it, it's like, no, this can't be happening. And then I was like, okay, well, I may be playing or I may not be playing. And it's like, okay, you're not playing, but you are TR, which is, I think, even worse because it's <sighs> like, you're not playing, but you still need to come to do a warm-up. And it's like, but in the same time, I couldn't say to the coach, hey, look, I can't do the warm-up. <laughs> even though that, that, that was my feeling Did inside. Did you think it's inside like, you were like, yes. oh, maybe, oh, that's my hamstring. Oh, that's a bit tight. Yes, yeah. and I was like, how how he didn't realize that Argentina is playing and he didn't say, okay, I'll call someone else, but no. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, I can't say this to him. So it's like, yeah, nothing. And I came here very early because it's like, okay, I, 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 I want to watch the game at least at the stoop, not being in the car while the game started. So I was here super early and yeah, started watching the game. First half was like, the best half ever like it's like oh this is the best World Cup final ever I was like so relaxed and then yeah the game was coming so the the this the screen was like TV was was off because the meeting started we had the this line out line out walkthrough which I I wasn't involved but I still had to be there yeah so then I was trying to control my mind trying to be focused on what I had to do at that moment and then like obviously couldn't um and then yeah no tv for yeah probably half an hour which was was like yeah probably the 
the first part of the second half. And then, yeah, the disaster came when, when I was, we were already in the changing room. So I was like, again, as being TI, I was like more in the medical room, which has a TV. So then like I committed the this like disgraceful act and I said, to Jack Walker, like, look, Mbappe's been hiding the whole game because oh. that's that's what happened. Like, he was hiding. And then I ended up saying that and he scores one. And it's like, what? And then it's like, <laughs> he scores again. And I look at him and it's like, oh, what did I say? And then it's like, yeah, my heart was about to explode, but I had to go out to do the warm-up. So then it's like, <sighs> okay, I go out for the warm-up and it's like, I won't look at anyone. I won't, like, I would just, I was like a horse looking forward, like doing my... <laughs> With the blinkers on. Yes, yes, doing my warm-up, like not doing anything, not talking to anything. I didn't want to hear like anyone from the crowd maybe saying anything. And then, yeah, I did my my staff warm-up finished and then going back in the tunnel, Mike Lancaster shows me in the cell phone, like, look, and hugs me. And it's like, look, Messi just scored a 3 2 I was like, oh. And tears came up in my eyes. And it's like, oh, hopefully this is done. And then, yeah, go in again. And it's like, they score again. And then 3-3, three, three, it's like, no, oh. this can't be happening. Mbappe again, by the way. Mbappe he, yeah, again. It's, it's yeah. all your fault. Yeah, it was my fault. Definitely. It's not because he's a great player. It's because <laughs> I said that. And then it's like, okay, I'm definitely not watching the penalties. So I went into the showers and I was like, yeah, normally a shower takes, I'm very sorry for the environment and for this, but like I stayed under the water for ages because like I didn't want to come up with a hot shower and it's like, yeah, I need to like, yeah, spend a lot of time here until the penalties are over. I can't see them. And then, well, I decided it was probably reasonable enough to, stop the water and go back again to the changing room. And it's like the boys that were inside calling me and it's like, no, no, I'm not going. And it's like, yes, come. And then it's like, yeah, it was the last penalty. And Montiel scored and I was like, wow. And yeah, it was like a great feeling But I was like, it was hard because I was like so excited inside that I wanted yeah. like to to share that with anyone, but no one was sharing my feelings because <laughs> like, yeah, everyone was happy for, yeah, Messi probably, but it's like, I'm the only one that is so excited and it's like, yeah. I need to hug someone, I need to shout, I need to do something. And I, I just couldn't, but yeah, it was, it was great. That's, um, I mean, that is an incredible, incredible story and shame on whichever coach named you as traveling reserve. I, I so didn't cruel. say any names. No, you didn't name names and we <laughs> won't name names, but, but wow, that's, uh, that's, that's tough. But to have had that, that moment, is that one of those moments where you would have given anything to be back in Argentina to, to kind of experience that? Yeah, well, when I said it's sometimes it's challenging being abroad, like probably those are the moments where you feel like, what am I doing? Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, I, I would give everything to go back. But yeah, it's part of it. And it's like sometimes it's like those feelings are maybe not, not the nicest, but they also like, yeah, how I, how I think about them is that they make you grow mm. because it's like being here on our own and like... Yeah, it's easiest to be like back home with sharing that with everyone. But yeah, being here, like, yeah, I think it makes you grow. And no one else has that story about uh, their home country winning the World Cup while they're doing all of that behind the scenes and uh, no, yeah. preparing for rugby games. So there's there's uniqueness um, in that. Yeah. So we've we fast forwarded there to to quite a recent memory. But then look, we kind of you came over to to the UK to Quinns 2019, then COVID and but down. But then a lot's happened for you. Um, here kind of if we take the rugby to one side and we'll come on to the premiership um win in 2021 but for you and your wife you've got your family now you've got um little girl a uh, little boy only four and a half months um now so uh solidarity um with you santi um hopefully you're don't fall asleep at any point um today but i know if i was left to my own devices that's what i'd be doing having a little uh, little additional kit but um but how's how's that been then? Kind of starting your own family in in the UK because you've not quite, but you've you've sort of got two British children now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As you said, we came here being like just we weren't even married mm -hmm. when we came, and now we are like yeah, married and we have two kids, both born here in the UK. And yeah, again, it's 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 challenging, I'd mm -hmm. say, because it's like uh, being English, our second language is like when it gets bit more technical say in the medical stuff it's like oh wow then it's like mm -hmm. and it's sometimes it's like you feel a bit ashamed of asking the doctors to can you please slow down or can you say that again but like um even though the 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 experience is 
have been probably different as they would have been back there. Like everyone has been always very, very mindful and helpful on mm. like us being sometimes a bit annoying, ask, asking for like, yeah, a bit more f time to explain us the things. But um, yeah, uh, things change a lot. It's, it's been like, yeah, less than for four years four years and it's like a lot yeah. of things happened and and we me and my wife as human beings have like changed a lot because it's like yeah life's changed a lot for us but uh again yeah we are enjoying and we are very happy i think this is a great place to raise raise kids so and is this somewhere that you think not wishing to look too far into the future but do you see the uk and, and england kind of being somewhere for you guys as a family that, that you look to stay or have you got kind of one eye on you know making sure that the, the kids feel that connection to, to argentina have you kind of thought about that yeah as a yeah we try to keep that very very strong for especially for them we mm. we like my daughter speaks in spanish she's mm. learning english obviously at nursery but we try to keep her like and, and obviously at our house it's like we it's like a part of argentina we are like very connected with our culture mm -hmm. but uh yeah as i said we are trying to get the most out of it we probably in the long term yeah we look to maybe going going back especially because it's like um even though you are like super happy here you we will always be foreigners here yeah yeah uh, and then also like you will always be far away from from your family and your friends so then for us, it's like, yeah, try to get the most out of it, try to learn the most, try to give our kids the chance to to learn from a young age, to speak proper English, not as my English, which I can't get rid of my accent, but like I wish my kids speak like, yeah, both languages fluent and, and well. And then when that's done, I think probably it's time to, yeah, make the move, but which again is probably not going to be easy because yeah, we love our country, but sometimes yeah, it's a tricky place. But yeah, we I think we would like to go back. Well, I, I would say there's no you don't need to make any apologies for your English at all, Santi. It's uh, head and shoulders above my Spanish, um, <laughs> and I'm not even going to try. Um, but that's interesting, though, isn't it? As you say, you kind of that that idea of you'll always be a, a foreign here. But then do you think going back to to Argentina that are there certain English customs that you guys have picked up that they look at you and go, no, come on, it's not, you know, you're not having Marmite on toast in the morning or anything like that. Yeah, I think probably we'll need to adjust times, timings again. I really like, like, say, having dinner early and mm -hmm. then it's like back home, like 7 p.m., you're not even thinking about dinner. <laughs> and then it's like, uh, yeah, life, a lot, of, a lot of social life happens like in the evenings. Right. So then you end up probably having dinner 10, 11 maybe which is like quite late. And so hungry. Yeah, that's going to be, yeah, but then probably you'll have like a meal at around five. So then like you can get get through. But then, yeah, uh, I think that from a family point of view, that's great. I love like going to bed early and waking up early and enjoying my mornings. But then, yeah, we'll need to adapt to that. I probably keep on having apple crumble and, apple crumble and custard and... <laughs> <laughs> I would take that for forever. Yeah, I think that is the two important parts of British culture that you picked up on, which is early dinner time, early to bed, and apple crumble and custard. Um, uh, we can't, uh, we can't knock that. So, and then for you, from a from a rugby point of view, kind of Quins, you've been here now, say since since twenty nineteen, um, have a long a long spell um, for you for, for you at one place. How have you found that experience of? Having gone from the Jaguars, were you with that same group of guys for club, for international, kind of the start of professionalism over there to coming to what I guess is more of a, an established environment where you were, I guess you had, you, you had Martin um, Alandajo as well, um, but where you're maybe kind of not on the outside, but kind of having to find a new place in a, in a, in a different group. How have you found and enjoyed that experience? Yeah, I think having Martin in the first two years was a massive, massive help for... For me, especially, I'm like, yeah, quite shy, you know. I, I don't know if it's introverted word, but yeah, I struggle a bit when, and yeah, adding up the language factor is, but then yeah, it helped massively, obviously, as well for us as families, like we were together. So then, yeah, the support for my wife and his wife, like, 
or were spending a lot of time together uh, in terms of probably rugby was like yeah adapting to a yeah different different culture in the beginning it was it was it was I won't say tough, but different because it's like you are used to something or to things getting done in a certain way. And then you come to a different place where things get done the same, but in a different way. And yeah. then it's like, okay, I need to adapt to this and this is new and, and it's not necessarily better or worse. It's, it's just different. Just new, yeah. And then with time, like, yeah, I, I adapted quite well to that. And it's like, I take a lot of that and I realized that the way that I was used wasn't the only way so then it's yeah. like uh but you still you you're still able to get the same or similar results or get the things done but done in a different way say like uh yeah i don't know the thing of being yeah smiles on faces and things like that it's like i was used much more to a, like an environment which like not being toxic like being mm. very very positive but like when it was time to train it was like you don't smile when you train because it's like if you smile it's like you don't care and 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 then it was like in the beginning i was like what is this and then it's like yeah you can still do things enjoying doing them and it's like by smiling it doesn't mean you don't care but oh, yeah that, that's one of my only just one of the things that i face and to which i adapt and which i think i learned a lot like into the future for say it's like in yeah i have this learning now so you know it's like and that's interesting because that's something i guess relatively specific to, to Quinn's as part of our as part of our values here that the you know the E in true standing for for enjoyment and it's not enjoying the result, it's enjoying the the process. And I guess was that you mentioned that must have been quite quite jarring. Were you first few training sessions when there's boys kind of smiling and laughing and joking and you're there like game face. Like was was there any like tension there? No, no, I, like, no, no, no <laughs> tension because like, again, uh, this environment is like, it's really good in like valuing each individual in how mm. it is. So it's like, never, never was tension. It was more me inside that I was like asking myself what's happening here. Or maybe yeah. even like we were warming up with a football and I was like, what's going on? It's like, I've never played football in like, in a context of a rugby mm. training session. And it's like, how, how can we train? after playing football and then it's like I found out yes we actually can and probably the training session is even better because people are happy yeah. because they have you know played even though the football we play is horrible because <laughs> <laughs> we are terrible especially the forwards but like so uh, you're, you're Messi doesn't need to watch out you're not coming for for his crown then I think if you Messi if Messi watches that it's like his eyes will hurt so much <laughs> so like what are these boys doing <laughs> but we still enjoy it because it's like yeah who are you in mold of? Are you a, are you a Javier Mascherano? Are you uh, getting into tackles in the midfield, making crunching tackles? No, not much. I'd say I'd probably try to. I'm thinking of player, but I'm trying to yeah get the ball and try to see the and make good passes. Not move much. Uh, I'm yeah, very heavy nice. now, yeah. <laughs> so I can't I can't be running so much. So then I take the ball, look, and make a good pass probably to the boys that can run faster <laughs> than me. <laughs> um, so that's so interesting that those 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 not even I say cultural differences, but but from club to club, right? Let alone country to country with with that move. But do you now feel kind of that Quinns has been the right environment for you at the right point in your career? I know you resigned um, last year, like that's somewhere that you feel at home with your family, but also with your rugby. Yeah, yeah, definitely. What I, I, well, I feel is like I would uh, find it like very very probably challenging going back to an environment different to this mm -hmm. because it's like yeah um it's relaxed but in the good way mm -hmm. yeah it's not that uh it's super professional super serious we want to perform well but you still do it in a way that makes you enjoy your every day yeah. whereas sometimes like yeah I, I i think that if i had to go back to a environment where it's like from the monday to the saturday it's like all bad faces because if you if you smile you don't care it's like oh yeah it's hard. do you think that kind of that that chimes with you because of the way that you fell in love with rugby in the amateur days now i'm not equating the, the two by any stretch but saying that finding that enjoyment that's the reason that you started playing rugby in the first place was because you you enjoyed it so smiling when you were playing you know rugby at school growing up that wasn't because you didn't care it's because you were, were loving it and that 
Quinns has been or kind of came along at the right time for you to kind of be like, oh, actually, yes, I already love doing this and I want to be in an environment where other people show that they love doing it as well. Yeah, definitely. What, what I think is like you, 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 you need to get a balance and then like probably when I was younger and then coming back to the thing of like obsession with detail and all that, it's like I was super into that way of thinking of like mm. being like super, yeah, more like kind of military orientated yeah. environments and as and I still think sometimes it's good because yeah. you still need to be like directive or whatever how you call it but you can also find the balance in 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 okay sometimes you need to be like yeah doing the work that it needs to be done and sometimes you need to especially in rugby sometimes the stuff what that we do is not necessarily like enjoyable and like yeah you enjoy it i we enjoy scrummaging or doing more defense or defense or tackling or whatever but it's like yeah it's not maybe something enjoyable like per se it's like yeah it's the, the act of and someone then, running into you is not yeah, fun <laughs> but and you need to get it done but yeah. it doesn't mean you can uh not be enjoying the whole you know what i mean it's like yeah. uh so then getting into that balance i think that like yeah that's one of my biggest learning from this environment that I probably take for forever because like yeah maybe in the future say hopefully I get involved into some coaching or whatever it's like and the learnings I've got from here it's like yeah you can you can still get into that balance even in rugby which is a game which is sometimes it's tough it's a tough game because yeah. it's like physical it's sometimes violent but it's like it's, you can still enjoy it and I think does that help and we're going to talk about um that run to the to the premiership final I can't have uh, our most recent uh, premiership winners uh, on, on the podcast without talking about it in, in some vein or form. But I think I want to link it into that idea of the smiles on faces, the the enjoyment. Is it that kind of value that helps? Let's look at Bristol, right? In the semi-final being down by you know, 28 points that actually if it was all serious, you know, sad faces, not sad, but gl- glum faces that it's harder to remember what you're good at and to kind of find enjoyment in just getting back on the horse and, and going again. Do you think that helped having spent all that time together in that environment when you're really up against it, that you know that you can trust and rely on the guys that are around you to kind of pull through? Yeah, yeah, I think definitely because it's like um, that thing of wanting to enjoy the game probably made us uh, want to bring something something different or to create something or be creative in a moment of the game where it was needed. Mm. Whereas if we are probably on the other side, very like structured and as you said, with uh, those faces, it's like, yeah, you won't bring something different. And if you are losing for 20 something points, we are probably need to do something different. Yeah. And, and and then uh, an environment that in, encourages that uh, prove to well, the results uh, that we got that year, it's like, yeah, prove the, yeah, you can do things that way and even get results. Probably it's like, uh, then you will have like a clash of theories or coaching styles or whatever, but it's like, yeah. uh, in this environment, things work this way. And and, and for us, they, they've been like, like this. And I think that having, as you say, that, that license to go and, be unconventional to try something different at, at 28 nil doing what you've been doing for that first half but you know with more focus or more serious is not going to turn the game around so you kind of have to go be brave enough to say okay we're going to try something yeah, yeah is that is that player led and kind of coach supported or kind of what's the the ratio there between the between the two yeah, in I moments think, like that yeah i think probably in 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 this club the <sighs> the group of players or the leadership group group is like their input is like really important mm-hmm. and then obviously the guys that were on the pitch that day yeah. were the ones in charge of doing that but also i think that if uh say the coaching staff doesn't allow that to happen mm-hmm. and and some coaches want to have like sheep that obey yeah. and it's like sometimes it works but like you will never get that Whereas here, probably giving the players the kind of freedom to be themselves or to create or to try different things, allow the the yeah this talented group to yeah to do the things that they've done that day. <laughs> and what was that experience like? You talked about you know obviously playing in 
in Argentina with that group of mates for that four-year period was what was it like with this group of players you say you're playing with smiles on faces it sounds like there's every time I speak to anyone involved in that in that group there was a real bond connection um but between them what was that like for you kind of being part of that lifting the premiership trophy after that final at, at Twickenham against Exeter was that another kind of pinch yourself moment after the the late call up to the world cup like being involved in that in that squad in that environment in that in that success yeah definitely it was again it was like it was something that i was never expecting to happen to me so mm. then it was like i was still not believing what was happening to me because it's like you know it's like a couple of years ago like i wouldn't even think of myself being here and now i'm here and i was like yeah trying to enjoy every second of it and yeah i think i did uh but yeah it's a memory it would be with me for, for for forever but again it's like when i was a young player i just wanted to play for for the first team in my club that was yeah. my goal yeah and then like seeing myself in twicken i was like wow what a lot, a lot of things happened in the middle yeah <laughs> a lot of things happened in the middle that's the uh, that's the autobiography title right there, Santiago. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking forward to reading that one um with a whole chapter about argentina's world cup win um, <laughs> yeah. um so i'd like to ask you then away from from rugby and outside of rugby, one question we, we like to, to kind of to ask to get to understand i i guess a little bit more is when it comes to like your personal life personal personal finances are you someone who is a uh, a spender or a saver do you like kind of religiously like save money away save money away or are you kind of a bit are you a bit impulsive and maybe we have an answer before you had two kids and after you've had kids yeah yeah, yeah well you said that probably when i was younger i've never been like super spender but I probably was a bit more was like careless but like yeah but now it's like you're a bit i, I myself I'm, I'm a bit more mindful of what i spend the money on because obviously you have that kind of it's not pressure but you know the responsibility of having a family to support which is the greatest thing ever but it's like yeah probably i'd say now i'm more saver i I still want to get into a balance because you can't just save forever because it's like you won't be the richest in the cemetery you know yeah yeah it's no point you need to enjoy life as well but also like yeah, you need to be sensible in, in your decisions, especially with the family behind. For sure, for sure. Well, let, let's um, let's focus on some of those. Maybe let's focus on the careless days. They sound more fun. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, what what would you say? Kind of like your your extravagances are. What are the things that you've like maybe gone and got? Oh, that was maybe a bit of an impulse purchase. Or are, are there certain things that you kind of go? Oh, that's if I'm going to spend money, I'll spend it on that. Ah, wow. I think, yeah, it changed a lot. Probably before I was like, yes, like maybe in clothing, probably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Good trainers or things like that. But now I realize probably, yeah, I got into being like a very boring man. I'm 30, but (laughs) because I was trying to think about something, it's like, yeah, it's nothing coming into my head, but it's like... What do I spend the money on? Probably, yeah, paying bills. On <laughs> pa- pa- paying Taxes. bills, I imagine probably probably a cot soon for for the little one. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, prams. nappies. Yeah, law of nappies. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's life. Yeah, now, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, nappies, nappies. That's the that's the headline takeaway. It used to be trainers and nice clothes, and now it's uh, <laughs> now it's compostable nappies. We've. We've all made that. We've all made that journey, uh, Santini. And if you haven't yet, just know it's coming for you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and so, kind of with with that kind of with with your kids, you talked about you know maybe the idea that that one day you'd love for them to have that that connection back to Argentina and 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 go back home. What does the next what does the next few years look like for for you guys as as a family? Do you think that you'd like for your 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 daughter to, to start school in the UK is that something that you're kind of starting to think about now she's what two two and a half yeah she's two and a half yeah yeah so probably she'll have like yeah two two more years of nursery and then yeah again hopefully we can stay for a couple of years here and then yeah she can she can start school get some yeah good good and proper education in her first years of age uh and yeah, and, and, and then we'll see, you know, it's like sometimes you can plan a bit what you want to do with your life, but then it's like you can't 
have anything planned, everything planned because it's like things change mm -hmm. so quickly that then you need to adapt. Obviously, we have like a sketch in our minds, but we are open for that to change yeah. whenever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Ideally, yeah, staying here a couple of more years, get that first years of education for them in the UK. And then we will see. So there's no use planning because it's it's Thursday, so your phone might ring and you might be on a plane somewhere. Anything uh, can happen, <laughs> you know. So are you someone then with that? Obviously, you've had so many experiences in your life and career where at the drop of a hat, like circumstances have changed. You know, you, as you say, you're going to the World Cup or you're uh, get, moving to France um, to to play rugby. Do you find that that means that you, you try not to plan too much you said there that you know a plan can always change were you someone that used to plan a lot with that kind of that detail side of things and now you're a bit more let's just have an idea but let's see what uh, yeah I would be lying to you if I say that I'm super structured so yeah in deep inside I think I have every like everything's planned but then it's like I've learned that your plans can yeah go to the bin yeah. super quickly so then it's like I I I, I don't mind planning but also like I want to be mindful that I'll need, I'll need probably to adapt quickly if those mm. plans may change, which is probably what's going to happen because like you can't control everything happening to, to you. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty structured, but again, it's like, yeah, trying to find that balance in between structure and adaptability probably. And I guess if you picked law as a, a career, not rugby, you probably even more structured and planned because you don't suddenly get a call and get moved halfway around the world or get an opportunity to go and do something crazy. Like would you would you swap, looking back on what you've experienced in rugby and of looking back to your Santi at school, would you have you trade any of that for a nice, stable law career and playing rugby uh, for the local team as, a, as an amateur still? Uh, probably not. No, good. No, probably <laughs> if not. If you said yes, we'd have been in a, there'd have been a whole separate meeting um, coming up. So no offense no. To, you, to your brother who went down the law route, but <laughs> he could have been sat here. Um, yeah. No, does that, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, but for, you know, a phone call here and you say that, that luck and that, that has played such a huge part, but like going back to something I said earlier, like, yes, luck is a part of it, but then it's what you do when you get that opportunity. Is that something that you kind of believe in that it's one thing to get the opportunity, but it's then about, how prepared you are to kind of put the hard work in. Yeah, definitely. I think that's probably the everyone's like work work ethic is mm. what you do every day, regardless of maybe the chances that you are getting, whatever the job you are working on. It's like there are some things that you may control, some others you won't. So then it's like it's a cliche. Everyone's talking about control the controllables, but I think it's a, it's a very very nice thing to to think or say because it's like. Yeah, you can focus on what you can focus. And then it's like, try to do the best on that. And then it's like, opportunities may come sooner or later. But yeah. then if you are ready for them, it's like, you will get the most out of them. If an opportunity comes and you're not ready, then therefore, it's probably not an opportunity anymore because you're not ready for it. So it's like something that passed and someone else will take it. Yeah. And I guess that's where people that, you know, want to maybe stick religiously to a, to a plan, you miss those opportunities because you're not prepared to deviate from the plan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, okay, and that brings me to my last question that, that we like to ask on um, on Diary of a Harlequin, Santi, which is, I heard all about your your career, your your journey, and fascinating. I've loved chatting to you, so thank you for coming for coming on. But the the last one is like in those in those difficult moments, right, where you know maybe there was, you, know, you don't know if you're going to get that that contract, you know, in Argentina, or you pick up a, a nasty injury, or you're, you know not able to, to celebrate with fellow Argentinians when, when Messi um, lifts the World Cup. But, like, how do you still find, like, that, that joy, that, that enjoyment that kind of brings you, brings you back from those, maybe those darker moments? Yeah, I think that it, that's very interesting, especially for us being rugby players sometimes, or maybe, well, other sport athletes as well. It's like sometimes we, when we, like, say, identify ourselves just with what you do because in the end like yeah we are rugby players but that is our job mm -hmm. and sometimes like because of all the context of high performance sport and professional super professionalism and all that it's like sometimes you may lose that focus and then like when you are playing scoring tries or being part of a winning team that's all good and nothing happens but as you said when some 
challenging times come, which I won't include the woke up thing, which was <laughs> like very, but yeah, like really, really challenging situations. That's when he probably keeping that like on the place where it should be. It's like, mm -hmm. say we are rugby players. Yeah, we, we do. We want to be the best we can be. Yes. But we also like, uh, in my, in my case, I'm, I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I want to be a good dad to my kids. I want to be a good husband to my wife. Um, and then probably that, in, in my case, that's what makes me feel like when I'm frustrated or sad or whatever I may feel about like around my job, it's like, okay, yeah, my job is my job and my life is much more than that. And I think that's that, that applies for everyone. But because, yeah, we will get stressed, we get frustrated. We may even lose our jobs at one point, even like us rugby players, it's like our careers are short. And then it's like, when that's over, if I'm just a rugby player, I'm no one anymore because my rugby is over. So then it's like, no, and I'm still like, I want to be, as I said, good dad, good husband. And then again, that family thing, I think it's the best support we can get. And also like probably doing things or get interests outside the sport help as well because it's like say if you're injured or if you're not getting much game time you can still like focus your head into something else yeah. apart from rugby so i think finding that balance is what makes like yeah a healthy mind to carry on santi that is incredibly insightful and i've absolutely loved talking to you today thank you so much for coming on the diary of a harlequin thank you very much 